Hey folks, thanks for checking out Missio Church in Manor, Iowa. You are listening to audio recorded at our Sunday morning service. If you'd like any more information on the gospel or would like to learn more about Missio Church, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Missio Mount Air. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is... Uh... It's really hard to put into words how, how incredibly grateful we are that all of you would choose uh, to be here tonight. There's lots of things you, you probably should be doing, could be doing, lots of places that you could be, and we just don't take for granted that you have paused and come to worship the King with us here. And uh, just from the bottom of our heart, thank you. Our church is not even two years old yet. We have two more weeks, and we're two years old. And we are just, uh, we are just overwhelmed at what God is doing here. And this is a reminder to me uh, that that God has His eye on Mount Air, because God has His eye on His whole creation. There is no place in the world that God is not, and He cares deeply about all of it, and God cares deeply about this community and the families and the people that live here, and this light of Christ shines brightly here, and I pray that we are able to see it and give our lives to it. But it's Christmas. And it's got me thinking and reminiscing a lot about my life. The older I get, the more reminiscing I do. And I remember I was celebrating Christmas with my family. And we were at my grandparents' house in the northern suburbs of Chicago where my mom grew up. And I must have been uh, 12 or 13 years old, if my memory is right. And I have to tell you, I loved Christmas growing up. I loved it for so many reasons. I loved going to Chicago Obviously, getting the presents was really cool. I loved seeing my extended family during the holidays. I don't know if any of you were like this, but, but my extended family, my aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, these were like my celebrities growing up. And one thing, though, that I did not like as a kid was the dreaded present circle. Does anybody know what I'm talking about where the whole family gets in a giant circle and you have your pile of presents right in front of you and you have to wait as each person opens their present one at a time. And you do your best, right? You do your best as a kid to look interested in what other people are getting. But to be honest, you're not. You're a kid. You don't care. You want to rip in to your stack of gifts, and it takes forever for the circle to get back to you. To be honest, it still kind of feels that way a little bit sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I'm a work in progress. But this particular Christmas that I recall, something happened that was a little out of the ordinary. After we were all done opening our gifts, my grandfather stood up, and without fanfare or really drawing any attention to himself, he walked to each person and handed an envelope to everyone in the room and then just sat down. Guys, my grandparents were amazing. My grandfather was such a good man. He was dignified. He was kind. He was hardworking. He was not a guy that would waste words, but he was awesome to be around. And my grandmother was this joyful, sweet Finnish woman that was an amazing cook. She was always had a hug and a huge smile for you. And I wish I had more time to tell you about who they were. 
They lived through the Great Depression and World War II, and they did not live extravagantly, and they did not let anything go to waste. My grandfather worked his way up at, the comp- at a company called Abbott Laboratories, where he retired comfortably, and they both loved their family deeply. And I remember the room getting quiet as we sat there holding our envelopes. I was so excited about the present that, that, that I had just gotten, I really just wanted to get this whole envelope thing out of the way so that I could dive into what I just got. But no one said anything for a moment. And they just looked at these envelopes. And then as, as people began to open them, you could hear gasps around the room. And you could hear people saying things like, oh my goodness, and are you serious? And so I opened mine. And I pulled out this strange-looking certificate that was on like award paper. It had the number 100 in each corner, and it had this, this guy sitting next to a microscope right in the middle, and it was blue and white. And I was a little dumbfounded. What is this? Why is everyone getting so emotional about this? It's just a piece of paper with a weird guy on it. My mother was sitting next to me, and I looked over at her, and she had tears in her eyes, and she, as she held her envelope, and she, she looked at me, and she said, do you know what that is? And I, I shook my head no, and she said to me, and I can still, I'm in the moment, and I hear her say this to me. Honey, that is a stock certificate from Abbott Laboratories where Grandpa worked. Because you have that, you are now part owner of Abbott Laboratories. And what you're holding in your hand is worth over $5,000. And it's only going to grow in value. Now, I have to tell you, I looked at that certificate, and I felt grateful, but I still had a difficult time comprehending how incredible this gift was. I mean, if it's worth so much money, how am I going to spend it? What does it mean that I'm now an owner in Abbott Laboratories? I'd been there. Can I just walk in and like put my feet on the desk? I had no idea. But that day, my grandparents had given 100 shares of stock to every grandchild and way more than that to their two children. They gave tens of thousands of dollars to their family because they loved us. And I remember trying to take all this in, and I looked over at my grandfather, who was a very dignified man, and he was sitting there quietly weeping as he watched his family wrap their minds about what they were just given. And my grandmother just sat there with tears of joy, with a giant finished smile on her face. As the years have gone by, the power of that moment has become clear to me. To be honest, the moment grows in its significance for me the older I get, and I certainly did not understand it at the time, but I think I'm starting to understand it now. And so here we are. It's Christmas Eve. I imagine a lot of us have our heads swirling with all the things that still need to get done. What is going to happen the next day? I'm sure that many here can't wait to see the looks on the faces of those you love when they open up their gifts. It's also safe to say that, like me, this season brings a lot of nostalgia and a chorus of children. (laughs) You will go to bed. This can be a double-edged sword, though, this nostalgia, can't it? 
Nostalgia with all of its sweetness has a share of sadness and longing with it, doesn't it? But here we are. Some of you know exactly why you're here. Others, maybe not. Some are here out of a deep conviction and a gratitude for what Christmas means. Some are here because this is just what you do on Christmas Eve. It's how you grew up. There's a comfort in the singing of the carols, in the lighting of the candles, and being with family at church or the American Legion, like I know you're used to. That's a joke. You can laugh. There may be some here, though, that you're not really sure why you came, and maybe you still don't really even want to be here, and yet here you are. We have all gathered in this moment different things going on around us and in us. In our midst, we have people who are hurting and carrying burdens. We have those who are filled with gratitude and joy. We have those who feel more loss than gain, sitting right next to someone who has a lot more today than they did last Christmas. I'm sure there are some here that are weighed heavy by your pasts, things you've done, or things that have been done to you or someone you love. And there are those who are really, really excited about the future and all of its prospects. And yet, here we all are. Whatever season you are in, whatever state of mind, despite the distractions, I pray that we can sincerely contemplate the true meaning of Christmas and what it means for each of us here tonight. Because Christmas is ultimately about one gift, a gift not given by man, but by God to man. It's quite possible there are some of you who look at what God has done the way I looked at that stock certificate. You get that it's kind of a big deal, especially for some, but you don't really know why it should matter to you. Because God did not give his gift with global fanfare, although extraordinary events did surround the moment. God did not give a gift that any one of us expected. And if we're honest, if we're really honest, He did not give us the gift we wanted. But He did give us the gift we all desperately needed. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This is what the angels said to the shepherds who were out in a field watching their flock, something they did every day of their lives. It was just an ordinary night in a small, insignificant town called Bethlehem. We've all heard this. We all know the story, or at least major parts of the story. But my question is, do we really understand why this matters still? And why this still matters for us today? Not just matter for us to know about it, but to have this shape how we live our daily lives, how we think about and process our pasts, and how it has a profound impact on our futures in this life and the next. Christ's birth is so much 
more than a children's tale providing an opportunity for kids to have a cute little play for them to act in once a year. It's not just a simple moral lesson. Christ's birth is not merely a past event with no implications for today. It is, as the angel said, good news of great joy, which is for all people. But why? Why is this good news of great joy for you? I have to be honest. There is so much that can be said about the why. But I was told I have no more than 22 minutes. So I want to focus on just what the angels say here. It is good news of great joy simply because a child was born. While the birth of every child is cause for celebration, Christ's birth is completely unique in human history because this child is a Savior, and He is the one true Savior. His name, Jesus, it literally means Yahweh saves. The name of Yahweh was God's personal name that He gave to His people. Only his people call him Yahweh. God saves his people. That's literally what it means. And in the gospel of Matthew, the very first gospel in the New Testament, an angel of the Lord told Jesus' earthly father, a man named Joseph, that, that he is to name him Jesus because, quote, he will save his people from their sins. Being saved from our sins is our greatest need because sin is our greatest problem. I have never met a person in my life, no matter where I have traveled, that truly believed they were perfect. I have never met a single person in my life who did not have a genuine awareness that one day they were going to pass away. I have never met a person who has not been affected by this broken world. And for all of this, Jesus the Savior was born. Because we all need saving. I need saving. You need saving. We need saving from sin, from our sin, and the sin of the world. Sin is what has broken us. It's what has devastated everything. Even good things are stained by its terrible hands. The final word on just how deep the effect of sin goes is death, because that is what sin brings, death. Death to a clean conscience, death to relationships, death to our dignity and purity, death to our relationship with our Maker. Even wonderful moments come to an end no matter how hard we try to hold on to them or slow time down just a little. No matter how hard we try, we cannot save ourselves from our situation. We cannot really clean our own conscience. We cannot stop death, and we certainly cannot do this for anybody else. Mom and dad, no matter how hard you try, you cannot stop that in your own children, in your own life. We try so hard to be in control. 
And yet, as much as that illusion may grab us, we are not. But unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He came to save us from the sin that has brought so much pain and misery. He came to save us from God's right judgment of sin. Because God would not be good if he ignored sin, if he swept it under the rug or didn't deal with it. He came to destroy all that plagues us and the world. He came because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But what qualifies Jesus to be our Savior? What qualifies Him to be the Savior of the world versus anyone else that has lived a sacrificial life? Well, let's look back at the angel's words to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is Christ the Lord. These are incredibly significant titles telling us that Jesus is not just a mere man, although he is not less than a man. Jesus is fully man, being made like us in every way. But what qualifies Jesus to be the Savior of the world is that he's also God. Jesus Christ is the unique Son of the Most High God through whom God created the world. He is fully God. He is the chosen king who came to reclaim mankind and all creation from what sin has sought to destroy. Jesus holds all authority in heaven and earth and is the only one who can stand in the place before he, he's the only one who can stand in the place of God for us and satisfy the debt that we owed, not just for himself, but for all mankind. He is the only one through his perfection and power can defeat the evil that binds us. He is the only one who through his own resurrection from the grave can give eternal life to all who come to him. Jesus is, as Colossians tells us, the image of the invisible God. And in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile or make peace to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. God took on flesh and blood in one person, Jesus, two perfect or two natures come perfectly together without doing harm to the other one fully God and fully man to be our Savior, our King, and our God. The proper rescue of mankind can only be, one, can only be done by the one who made all of mankind. And the one who made it all came to be our rescue. But he did not come with tremendous fanfare or ticker tape parades. The divine Son of God was not preceded by earthly pomp and circumstance. He was born in a tiny town with a mother and an earthly father who had no real status or power. His crib was not one of gold, but it was a feeding trough. 
Jesus Christ made himself nothing, becoming the servant of all. He came to seek and save the lost, and we are all lost. Which is why this is such good news of great joy for all people. My grandfather put in a common envelope that contained an incredibly valuable gift, one that I did not fully comprehend until later. And he gave this to me and to his family because of how much he loved us. God, because of his great love, has given the world his son, who is more valuable than all of creation put together. Oh, I pray you see that. You take everything in creation, every star, every mountain, every human being, every flower, every animal, every fish, all of the oceans, put everything, every unseen molecule, every form of beautiful, brilliant sunrise, put it all on one side of a scale, and you put Christ on the other, and he outweighs them all. Because he is the maker of it all. He's the brilliance behind the beauty. He is the master behind its mastery. He is its, he is its power behind its power. And he came to rescue that. He alone is the one who can save you. Not a 12-step program ultimately. Not another 12-pack of beer. Not another job. Not another relationship. Not your own perceived self-identity that makes you comfortable. Not plastic surgery. Not working a thousand hours a week. Jesus is the only one who can save you. He can give you eternal life. He can remove the sting of death and lead you in paths of righteousness and paths of goodness each day. He is the one, the only one, who can give rest to your weary soul. But he came as a baby, a servant, with no form or majesty that we would desire him. Please don't relegate him to something less than what he is. Consider Jesus and allow him to save you and reveal to you just how wonderful, how powerful and glorious he truly, truly is. Oh, find life in his name. For unto you was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. And God, I am so thankful for this good news of great joy, which is for all people. And Father, in the quietness of this moment, before we run out and, and do all the things that need to be done, Father, I, I just pray that we 
We would not just drive by this moment, but God, may we ponder how and what do I look to 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 fill the void in my life, to help me ease the burden of my own guilt or, or, or my own mortality. How will we find meaning in this life? And there are so many messages in this world, God, that tried to tell us how to answer all of those questions, and yet there is one that has come from the maker of heaven and earth that says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and that Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. That Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That Jesus took his life and put it on a cross, satisfying your wrath on our behalf, to the grave and three days later rose again, showing that sin and death are defeated and hope and new life and forgiveness can be found in Him. Oh God, may we embrace it and to be found as yours. And then let us take every day that you give us and live for you, knowing you will never leave us nor forsake us, and that we can have certain hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand together, church. We're going to close out our service in a very familiar way by singing Silent Night to Candlelight. And the reason why we do this is because this is symbol of Christ. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he has come so that each one of us could find salvation and life and hope in his name. And so let this be a a moment for you to ponder, what have I done with the light of the world? Let us celebrate that the light of the world has come. And he came in a way that we can understand. In a way that we can get our arms around and in a way that knows that a God that will go to that length will never, ever leave me nor forsake me.